Welcome to the Tron Church Talking Points podcast. This is a conversation in the middle of the week to help us to keep on thinking about and applying the teaching that we hear Sunday by Sunday in our services. Um, Now, apologies to all the Josh Johnston fans. He's not with us today. I'm joined instead uh, just by Lily Phillip, our senior minister, and Paul Brennan. Paul was preaching on uh, Proverbs on Sunday, but we thought the topic of politics and our engagement with it was such a significant one, so timely that we would we would devote the whole podcast uh, to that. Paul, I certainly found it very helpful your message yesterday morning, and I think I think there was so much. It was it was an eye opener, perhaps to many, just to realise how many references there are to these things in Proverbs and just showing how wide-ranging and how nuanced it was and your first your first point I think made that so clearly when you said uh, you know don't we're not to put our trust in princes and uh, we're to obey the authorities and so um, the overarching thing there is that yes there's we're not to trust people but the overarching message that you were giving us was that um, rule and authority is a good thing it's a positive thing that god has given to the world that's a necessary thing in a sinful and a fallen world so and and that is the point that paul uh, starts with in uh, the other paul the apostle paul uh, uh, in Romans 13 mm. where he's saying the governing authorities are given by god so we don't just uh, grin and bear it and have to obey government because they have power uh, for the Christian, we've actually got a positive thing because we have to say, well, hang on, this is a gift of God. Um, now, it's interesting because both of you actually have had direct experience of government. Agnes, you worked in in, in uh, Westminster and, and Paul, you uh, were involved there for a bit as well. It'd be worth maybe telling people a bit about that. Agnes, when are you first? I feel it was a really long time ago now, but I was uh, for eight years a uh, civil servant policy advisor in Whitehall in what was what is now the Ministry of Justice, so advising on what people cry out for, which is access to justice and justice in the courts, um, which obviously is something that God uh, loves Mm. to see. Um, So dealing with lots of, I guess, tiny issues, a very Mm. small cog and a very big wheel, um, but trying to to see justice done and resources applied fairly um, to the... And you were in the the Lord Chancellor's office, is that right? Yeah, so it was then called the Lord Chancellor's office. It's now called the Ministry of Justice. But Yeah. yeah. Um, so something that is at the very heart, actually, of what the Apostle Paul is talking about is the, is the very heart of what government is really about. Yes, yeah. Uh, and a positive thing. Mm-hmm. And just on a, on a side note, you were talking about how um, Paul was talking on Sunday about advisors and people's experience, and actually you could really see that, what what experience a minister had, even a non-Christian minister, you could almost see in front of your eyes the impact that that was having on the decisions that he was making for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. That's just an aside. It really chimed with me. But a reminder of, a, time in Whitehall. of what a positive role historically there have been for Christians uh, in in government and so on. What about you, mm. Paul? Were you, you were, was it just a year you were in, in Westminster? Uh, two years in Westminster. Years. So the first year uh, I did post Australia University, uh, there's a charity called CARE, uh, Christian Action Research and Education, and they run, it's got a slightly grander title now, but it's the Care Leadership Programme. When I was there, we were just interns. <laughs> but um, Lowly intern. So the idea of that is, is is to help people think Christianly about the world, about politics. So mm. 
Um, a bunch of us grads were based in Westminster. We were all placed with members of parliament. So I worked in an MP's office four days a week. And then on the final day of the week, we all got together with the other care interns and thought about politics and uh, what the Bible says about politics, how we were to engage. Did, did that for a year and then I stayed on for a year working for another MP. Um, but you see the huge amount of work that goes on, which never reaches the, the newspapers, but there's a lot of work across the parties genuinely doing mm. good for people. Lots of good-hearted people. Yeah, do, dealing with real issues that impact people's lives and deliver real improvements. Uh, and that's happening all the time. But, of course, that's that's part of the picture. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, a lot of good people involved and... And it's really interesting seeing behind, behind the scenes, really. Um, and I think that chimes, doesn't it, with the, with undoubtedly the, the biblical perspective, which yeah. is that God has, you know, our God is the God who 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 does good to all He has made. Uh, he makes the sun shine and the rain fall on the unjust as well as the just. Uh, we call that. Uh, we tend to call that God's common grace, but it's, it's, it's God's blessing for the for the whole world. And government is part of that. The spheres of authority are part of that. He's given authority in the home to parents, given authority in the church, and that's a good thing, as it is in the home. But he's given authority, he's given certain authority to the civil powers. We'll come back maybe to talk about how these things interrelate. But but it is a it's it's a positive good thing. Yet he also tells us, put not your trust in princes. Mm. Um, so it's clearly not. Uh, 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 we mustn't look at, for example, Romans 13, which is often pulled out and over the last few years has often been alluded to. Uh, which, which essentially says, submit to the authorities that God has put in place. Yeah. That's what we mean by yeah. Romans 13. And often what people are doing is just just taking the submit to the authorities and forgetting that uh, the authorities are there, first of all, to do what God has told them to do, which yeah. <laughs> is to promote good and punish evil. Um, so it's much, it's much, it's far from being a um, blanket submission to everything just because of their authority, because the supreme authority is God, mm. and that's a pattern, isn't it? That we see throughout throughout Scripture, because we don't see blind obedience to authorities. We see a lot of opposition. We see a lot of disobedience and flagrant disobedience to authorities, which is praised by God. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, recently I was working through the Book of Acts, and you see that almost from the very beginning. There are many instances where the work of the apostles comes in direct conflict with the authorities. And you see in chapter 4, Peter, um, they say to the, to the civil authorities, we must obey God rather than man. And you know, they're thrown in prison, same house with Paul. Uh, but it's not, that's not just a feature of the New Testament. Mm. Um, it is a feature of the whole, the whole Bible. So they think back to the, almost to the very beginning, book of Exodus, in the first page of Exodus, what do you see? Well, you've got great oppression of God's people in Egypt. There's that edict from Pharaoh that all the newborn baby boys are to be thrown into the River Nile. And you read there about two Hebrew midwives who refuse to obey Pharaoh. And we get their names and you don't know the name of Pharaoh. Well, that's right, isn't that <laughs> right? So they are honoured yeah. and uh, they were directly disobeying Pharaoh but for the, in order to save the lives of all these... Babies. And notably without a specific command of God well, that's right. to disobey Pharaoh. So presumably they, they thought about it. Yeah. Um, they realised that you know, can't possibly do this. Can't possibly be right. Yeah. Um, God's will. Because of what else they know about the Lord and what he yeah. defines as being right and good and not 
evil and wrong. Um, further on, you think about Book of Daniel, mm-hmm. um, and again, his friend Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Think about all the pressure from the authorities to bow down to this silly gold statue, but you read it and you kind of, you almost laugh at it, but at the time, mm-hmm. imagine the pressure, all the music, everyone's mm-hmm. there on the plane to bow down, but they refuse full well knowing the punishment is going to be thrown into the fiery furnace, mm-hmm. and there's no guarantee to them that they would be rescued from it, mm-hmm. we, we, but they refuse to bow down. We could multiply examples of those yeah. you, but yeah. I think I wonder if I can suggest if you know parents out there if you want to talk about these things with your kids why not play the game of trying to mm. think of think of some more from the Old Testament yeah. who else can you yeah well there's plenty plenty of examples mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. and in each case it's not that uh, oh we prayed and then got a special command from God it was their whole view of life their whole yeah. understanding of the world and what's right and what's wrong what they should and shouldn't be doing is formed by by the whole of God's revelation and that sense by God's from law what you were saying wisdom. about Romans 13 that there's a there's a hierarchy there's a structure in there that um, yeah. I'm waving my hands if you're listening whilst doing the washing <laughs> up this is no use to you but God is God is sovereign over all yeah so it's, it's not quite as simple as it is obey your rulers yeah because evidently through the Bible God's people do not obey their rulers mm. time and time again so it's not it's a slightly more nuanced and complex thing isn't it mm. than yeah and what Paul is doing there because he's because he's placing all government under God um, he's clearly saying that human civil government is not just left to the arbitrary desires of of those governors uh, he's saying that they've got a duty first of all to God mm. before they've got a duty mm. and an authority over people and that's the same in every sphere of authority, actually. Parents have authority over their children, but only insofar mm. as God has given it to them and God directs them. Uh, church leaders have got certain authorities, but only as far as God uh, has given it and only for the, the, the care of the flock. Now, there's always been bad parents. There's always been mm. uh, sinful and, 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 and uh, wicked church leaders. Uh, and, and we understand, it's implicit in that, that, you know, there are... The principle is there, but there are times when these things go wrong and have to be mm-hmm. have to be uh, rightly opposed. So John Knox famously, actually, uh, in his uh, discussion with Mary Queen of Scots, you know, there you've got a very clear churchman standing right up to the the, the ruler, and they had these uh, famous conversations. And 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 Knox brought up his uh, you know, the Queen was saying, you know, uh, God gives authorities rulers, we've got to obey me and obey everything. And he said, well, God says very clearly to obey parents, to obey fathers. But everybody knows that if a father is abusing a child or, you know, or, or, or whatever it is, you, you oppose him. You stop him doing it. You don't just oppose it and say it's wrong. You actually stop it. You intervene. You get involved. Um, in the same way, the Bible is very clear, isn't it? Wives submit to your husbands. But we would think it very wrong and horrific, wouldn't we? If, and it sometimes has happened in churches, that churches have taken that so seriously that they have allowed women to be uh, abused, not just, not just uh, uh, emotionally, but physically often. Mm. Um, and, and even women have said, oh, well, I must allow this to happen because, you know, I must submit to my husband. I think all of us hopefully would say, no, no, no. Uh, that's the realm where the, the authority uh, of the church has to come in. And indeed, you may need the authority of the state to come in and punish that wrong and prevent that evil. Mm. Um, so when it goes wrong, um, there are things that override because ultimately all of these authorities are only under God and must be administered rightly in alignment with what God wants. In God's sovereign providence, 
evil rulers are sometimes allowed and permitted to to rise up. We know that. Uh, God allows the devil to have certain authority. But we don't bow down to the devil. We don't mm-hmm. we, we, we must resist the devil, we're told explicitly. Um, and, 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 and so we must we must see these things with that biblical clarity uh, uh, and not just look at half the story. And I think we've got historical examples, don't we, of people who have seen it with that kind of biblical biblical clarity. Yeah. Um, we had quite recently, we Bob File doing that evening with our mm-hmm. growth groups uh, on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer mm-hmm. who through the 1930s uh, saw with clarity that others didn't see with uh, what was coming down the track in terms of uh, increasing pressure from the Nazi state, not just on wider society but on the Christian church as well and, and many in the church seemingly wanted to go with the rulers because they had a narrow reading of Romans 13 and we're told to submit so we will do that without really thinking what sort of governance is this what, what sort of leader is this man Hitler um, and Bonhoeffer was prepared to to stand up and one of the things that, the very helpful things that I think uh, Bob brought out on that was that uh, Bonhoeffer saw where things were going mm. Uh, everybody saw in the end, but he saw the direction of travel, and even other good men. So the, 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 those who formed the confessing church, as opposed to the sort of uh, the, the state church, which was just righted with Hitler. Um, but many early on, even men like Martin Niemöller, who became such a, a well-known name and a heroic name, um, early on uh, didn't see the direction of travel and was saying things like, you know, we must support Hitler, even take an oath to Hitler because actually it'll, it'll be good for our witness and it might harm our witness not to. Uh, and yet it was proven so, so, so wrong. But, but Bonhoeffer, of course, was closely associated with Karl Barth. They were the, well, Barth particularly was the one who, who framed the, the famous Barmen Declaration, which uh, was the Declaration of the Confessing Church. But he was, these these men are useful because they were working through these issues in the face of real mm. up close, in you know, inexperience growing tyranny. And, you know, it's, it's really important we don't forget history because, mm. because as I said, it, it, it didn't start just like that. It, it, it moved. But, but Karl Barth was very, very good. And if people want to read about it, uh, he's got an essay called The Christian Community and the Civil Community. Uh, and he says that, you know, the last thing that Romans 31 uh, implies is just um, unquestioning blind obedience uh, to government. What he says, what it's really saying is that, look, um, Christians are still in this world. We're citizens of heaven, but we don't just say oh, we opt out of everything else. Mm-hmm. We say, no, we're still in this world. We've got a part to play in this mm-hmm. world. And the way that the Christian church submits, the way it subordinates to government is by bringing Christ to the very center of it all and helping people to distinguish between good and bad government, to make those distinctions between, uh, between tyranny and, uh, uh, and real proper government and mm. showing the lordship of Christ and how that's worked. And, of course, historically, that is, that is what's so often happened. And that, that's what's so often been the case in the West, which, as you said, so many of the institutions that, that, that so much of the whole of uh, the fabric of society that we've that we've lived with for centuries, has been founded on that, and perhaps we've become so used to that that we begin to sort of just assume that, well, it'll always be good and it'll always be right, and you can always trust the government. Um, yeah, I think I think we've we sort of have defaulted to giving the government government the benefit of the doubt because of 
we've had a rich history of centuries of yeah because we've been able to for yeah, such a long time as they had in Germany of course yeah yeah uh, you know the home of the of the Reformation yeah and so it's it's hard to see when that is changing um, and when we actually have a duty to oppose that's right yeah. And these these men would argue, and in fact, this the, you see the same thing in uh, in in the history of our own nation in Scotland. Um, I've mentioned before a, a, a recent book by Professor Donald MacLeod of the Free Church um, uh, called "Therefore the Truth I Speak," which charts Scottish theology from about fifteen hundred to seventeen hundred and goes through some of the great names that we'll know uh, John from John Knox onwards, uh, Melville and. Uh, ending up with Samuel Rutherford, right the way through, there was a very, very clear understanding of not just a right, but a duty to stand against and to oppose uh, tyranny. Mm. Um, and Samuel Rutherford, who I think, Agnes, I've got to come and speak to the TY about quite soon, haven't I? Mm -hmm. I better brush up. But uh, Samuel Rutherford wrote a, a classic book called Lex Rex, The Law and the King. But really his basic point was that the law is the king. The king is not the law. Mm -hmm. uh, and that you were making that point from Deuteronomy. The king, and we read it on Sunday morning, yeah. the king is to be one of, from one of his own brothers. He's, he's, he's one of the brothers. He's just one of the people. And so he's under the word of God the same as everybody else. And he's got to have a copy of the law of God and put himself under it constantly because what that's saying is the king is only a man. He's just one of everybody else and he's under God. He doesn't be elevated to become uh, God. And so you don't get to the point where I am, I am the law. <laughs> That's the word of the tyrant, isn't it? And, and these men saw very clearly. And so there's a whole long tradition in Scotland and very influential in the UK as a whole um, uh, of seeing clearly on these things and making distinctions and seeing the church's role to oppose what is evil, to help the government to see evil for evil and good for good. But we're now coming again into a time, I think, where increasingly good is being turned into evil and evil being turned into good. Mm. And so these issues are, they've not really been issues faced by the church in this country since the 17th century. So it, it can be, it's very easy to look back at Bonhoeffer and say, of course he was right to oppose Hitler. Yeah. It's much harder um, to see it in our own day and to see trajectories. And mm -hmm. Why do you think... It, either of you it's been um harder for us to see to see that ourselves in our own situation because because we took we took that judicial review and we thought very carefully about the government what the government was saying about um gathering for worship during um all the lockdown restrictions um but it's i guess i felt personally just felt on the back foot on that don't think mm -hmm. i'd ever you know it was harder to see it in our own situation than, than the ones in the past yeah i think it's very difficult, isn't it? Because the majority of us grew up with people very much sharing values on a whole range of mm. topics, almost regardless of their background. So the sort of the, the Christian ethics and values has for a long time been at the very heart of uh, our nation. And when you grow up with that, you kind of, you just assume that's going to continue. Mm -hmm. And because we've not had mm -hmm. major conflicts to have to work through in our living memory, really, it's, mm. it's a very difficult mind shift to, to go onto that, oh, gosh, we might have to, 
we might have some difficult things to deal with here. And I, th you know, I came across that quote from a former Supreme Court justice in the US. He talked about being aware that in the twilight, everything in many ways looks the same, but darkness is coming, and it's coming very quickly. Um, but you're not really alert to the differences that, that are coming. And so we've, I think we've just been quite slow to be aware of... I guess that means that now is the moment to be thinking these things through. It's been kind of raised with us so mm. as, a, as a, a teachable moment. Let's, let's engage with the issue. Um, because it's, it's going to crop up again, isn't it? Yeah. It's not going to go away in a hurry. I think um, the word totalitarian uh, came up and... It's interesting that some years back you'll remember the the Scottish government tried to bring in the named person legislation, which ultimately yeah. was overturned in the Supreme Court. And in the judgment of the Supreme Court, uh, the justice used the word totalitarian and mm -hmm. was saying, you know, this is a totalitarian tendency. And said that the first thing that a totalitarian regime tries to do is to get at the children, mm -hmm. to separate them and, and distance them from their parents and from others. Uh, and really make the only, I forget exactly the words, but essentially the state being the main uh, influence on, on the children. Um, now, that was the, that's the same tendency that was there in the uh, extreme legislation about uh, prescribing public worship. Because it wasn't just about buildings, it wasn't just about shutting buildings. Two people meeting in a park in the open air, socially distancing, would have been committing a crime uh, if they had done that uh, under that legislation to, 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 to pray. And that, the, reason that we, the reason that we got involved with that along with others was not because, oh, this is just, we don't like this. We don't like this. It's irritating. We'd like to be having church. Uh, that was true, but it, that wasn't the reason. The reason was because this was a, a very dangerous encroachment of the state transgressing into an arena of authority which is not theirs. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really the nub of the issue. And that was upheld by mm. the judge as being that. Very um, strongly. Very strongly on both constitutional grounds and grounds of, of universal human rights. The, 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 the name person issue was exactly the same transgression into a different sphere of authority, into the sphere of the family. Mm. Um, and this is a pattern that we're now seeing, uh, not just in our own country, but in many others, and particularly in the... English in the Anglosphere in, in mm. New Zealand and Canada, um, Australia. Australia. in Australia, uh, and there's a big battle in the United States. The United States is very divided mm. uh, on this. You've got a more conservative part and a, and a, a much more um, uh, liberal and progressive uh, uh, part. But this is where the battle lines are being are being drawn, and um, uh, this is, I think, where we have to be very aware that. We have to take the responsibility, which is God-given, and the authority, which is God-given, in these spheres of responsibility, both in the family and in the church. Mm. Resist the encroachment of the state into areas that God has not given it to control of, mm -hmm. whilst at the same time encouraging the state to do rightly what God has given it to, which is particularly to promote that which is good and to prevent and to punish mm. that which is evil. And good and evil there, when Paul is talking about that, is not what the state might think is good and evil. Paul, all the way through Romans, has been talking about righteousness mm -hmm. and, and sinfulness and what, what God considers right and wrong. And so there's a very positive role, it, albeit potentially combative role, increasingly, mm. for Christians in our, 
in our world, um, of which there is not one square inch that doesn't belong to Christ, as you mm. quoted. Mm. Um, but also, uh, it's not just out there, it's not just doing those things, it's taking that responsibility very clearly in our homes and within our own churches, because that is something that we all must do. Uh, and I think so we need to think about all these three different areas. So you, you did say to us just at the, towards the end of your sermon that we, well, it's your second point, you, um, we need to trust in the Lord and play our part. Yeah. It would be worth just chatting about a few practical examples of, of what playing our part uh, would look like. Um, yeah, so well, there's a thing I mentioned, uh, engaging with our representatives in the various parliaments. Um, we can play our part in that sense, but also... You know, just picking up what Willie was saying there, in, these, in the spheres for which we do have particular authority... Um, and responsibility. And responsibility, mm-hmm. whether that's the home or, the, or in church, I think we've got to realise the responsibilities and authority we have in those spheres. So with the family, um, it is, as a father, it's my responsibility for my children in every regard of their lives, including their education. So... It is up to me to whom I delegate mm. that education, and in which Scottish, is actually in the law. Yeah, in Scottish it's, law, it's still that, that's true. In Scottish law, in law is my duty, is my responsibility where my children are educated. So whether it's in school or whether it's a private school or whether within the home, that is entirely my my right. And I, I don't think we really thought about that. I think given the sort of what we've grown up with there's been a, a tendency to trust the government and the schools that they are going to do what we would like them to do in terms of what they teach. I don't think we can assume that anymore. And so we need to be thinking, what is actually going on in the classroom of my school? What are my children being taught? Um, and so uh, we've got to take that responsibility and, and think about it. And the there might be some difficult decisions to make. And what are the priorities that God in the scriptures actually presents to us in terms of what it means to educate children and young people and prepare people for life and so on because we tend to just sort of assume well going to school must be the right thing and getting good exam results is what you hope for and perhaps going to further education is mm-hmm. is what you hope for and that that that's particularly in the last 20 years has almost become the norm for for everybody and it's certainly the way that most um, Christians I suspect generally have tended to think because we we, we you know we cherish yeah. learning and knowledge and education and so on but um, is that right and uh, what God means by teaching may be very different and, and who is setting the agenda is yes, it what, what is the education they're receiving yeah and and what's uh, it for? Yeah. And where is it leading? Because um, I think we do now face the very real... We face the very real uh, possibility that many more areas in life are going to be... And many more areas in employment are going to be much more difficult, if not entirely closed to Christians who, who uh, you know, won't bow down to... Uh, the idol I won't buy down to the beast um, you know uh, if you don't sign up to 
the increasing uh, demands of um, the woke social justice movement and uh, and all the rest of it, mm-hmm. are these areas going to be open to you? Public services becoming increasingly difficult, even big business increasingly difficult. So parents have got really big questions to ask. How are your children going to make a living and I, have I, a future? I've certainly been much more conscious when, when I'm talking to teenagers in, in Tron Youth um, of, of helping them to set expectations that they've not yeah. so set their heart. Yeah. Um, I guess idolised a particular pre- a profession or university yeah. degree. So we talk much more about trades because I'd rather that they were bin men for Jesus. Absolutely. And there's no there's nothing wrong with with that, but just helping them to to see that before it becomes a sort of crushing immediate decision that they're taking. Mm-hmm. We want to make that easier and sort of prepare the way and set expectations. I guess, you know, that will happen in families. Well, know. our Lord presumably worked in a family business of carpentry and building. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, what's wrong with that? We, we've, we do have to make, I think, you know, we, we, it's like fish swimming in the water and not noticing the water. We, we, we make so yeah. many assumptions, don't we? And yeah. I, I look back and think, goodness, you know, there's all sorts of assumptions we made bringing up our kids of the sorts of things you wanted. And, and actually, a lot of it was just that, well, this is just what everybody else does. Uh, I think the, the times are changing and the, the issues are going to get tougher. And I think, I think there's a lot of thinking that, that Christians are going to have to do about just how best to prepare mm-hmm. the next generation for what it's going to be. I mean, all the Christians virtually that the apostles were writing to were slaves. Mm. <laughs> they were mm. in the lowest strata of society. And although he was saying, well, you know, if you can get out of your slavery and do something else, well, fine, but that's not really the big issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, I think we, we, we need to challenge ourselves on that. Mm. You know, okay, maybe you can, if you set your heart on being a teacher or a lawyer or whatever it is you want to be, well, maybe, but... You may find maybe that not. you may find it's 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 going to be very very difficult. And I think being intentional about um, Rod, Rod Dreher talks about the sort of warm community, safe place. I don't like that phrase, yeah. but um, yeah. for our young people to be part of. Yeah. So we, I think, I think often youngsters would have said of Tron Youth that they love coming to Tron Youth at the end of a week where they've maybe felt like a fish out of water all week, mm-hmm. and this is where they they feel they belong, and it's a warm mm-hmm. and a. Um, a loving oasis and a, you know, we want our, our homes and our families to be that, our church family is that and really to prioritise that very intentionally, it may seem such a mundane thing to do, is to prioritise good family relations just church church twice on a Sunday because you get twice as much church and you just communicate to your kids, we don't do this because we have to, we yeah. do this because we want to that's why we, keep, we come twice um, and actually then they build up they build up really good pals and friendships at church mm-hmm. Because they're there all the time, and I think those things are going to be really, really crucial uh, yeah, in the future. We've got to, we've got to equip our children uh, to have a, a thorough grounding in the Bible and a developed Christian worldview. Because they've got to think about all the stuff that's mm-hmm. going on around. They've got to be able to filter that and be discerning. And they're not, not, not that's not just going to happen. Only trees it, with deep roots. Well, that's right. You've got to think. And, and okay, stand firm. What's yeah. our family shaped around? What do we read with them? How central is church in our family's life? Mm. Those are all things that will bear fruit in the end. 
We want our young people to grow up realizing that everything else in life revolves around the Lord and mm. his church. Mm. Not that the Lord and his church get the fag ends and the bits that, you know, where there's nothing else happening mm-hmm. and you squeeze that into to life. I mean, it's a, our kids will pick up the ethos uh, that they live in mm-hmm. and they'll pick up what the families prioritize. And, mm. you know, it's much, much more than just about what specifically we teach or, you know, what we say and all of these things, all of that's important, but how, how we live in, uh, all the time and where our centre is, mm. uh, is going to be something that is obvious to them. And I, I imagine there's lots of people thinking, I, I wouldn't know how to write a letter to my MP, I certainly wouldn't want to go and meet with my MP, I wouldn't know what to say, but I think every single one of us could pick six families and pray for them or pick six people you know who work in the public service or teachers and pray for them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't pick six, we'll supply six. We can all do that. When I was a civil servant, I would have loved to think that somebody was praying for me out of wisdom mm. for heaven in the decisions I was taking. Well, that's a very practical thing, isn't it, that, um, that, that we can do. And, um, yeah, I think I, I would want to say to folk, don't be slow if, if uh, ask a few folk to... Pray for you and yeah. ask. Can if you work both ways, can't it? Can you share? Can pray. you share particular uh, battles and struggles? We want to support. We want to support people. I mean, you know, we want people to be in public life. We want them to be in these uh, in these areas. I just think it's the time may be limited when that's going to be possible. Mm-hmm. But where it is, we want to try and uh, make that influence felt as much as we can and mm-hmm. and, uh, and pray for folk. Yeah. Um, Good. Yeah. We've gone along a little longer than uh, we might normally, but I, I hope people will feel that that was useful and helpful. It's uh, it's a key topic, isn't it? Um, uh, next week, uh, Willie, you're back into Genesis, Genesis 10 and 11. Um, do, you have, do you have a quick title you could give us? I think it's going... Well, it's all about... It's the transition into the world as we know it, so the beginning of the world as we know it, and we're looking at Babel and uh, the Table of Nations, how... how, how the two sides of why the world is as it is, God has put everybody in their places and their nations. Uh, uh, they're under his care, but they're also uh, under his curse for sin. So we're looking at that, why the world is as it is. Excellent. Chapter 11 will be the chapter you recognise. Chapter 10 will be the one you really, really need to read in advance. Do you read won't. chapter 10. <laughs> yeah, read chapter 10. Um, and, and Paul, we're, yeah, we're, you're, we're you're in, in Proverbs. the evening, is that right? Yeah, Sunday evening, continuing in Proverbs. And uh, this week we're going to think about... Conflict, and by conflict I don't mean world wars. international world war. I'm talking about relational conflicts, and it's really we thought about words the other week and how we speak to each other and how we resolve and deal with difficulties and conflicts. Great. Well, we'll look forward to those and to chatting about them again in Talking Points next week. Mm-hmm.